Lamentations. I know you read that this week. Lamentations. You're stuck over there behind. Yeah, that, that over there. But it says, the mercy of the Lord is given to you in a new measure every day. New day, new mercy. You might have felt like I gave it all. You might have felt like I gave more than I have. Here's the good news. It's a new day in a new way and you can't tap out grace because grace is not a doctrine. Grace is a person. And, and I think you know this, but, but the person of grace is Jesus Christ himself. James 1 said, James 1 said that Moses was handed the law from God to an angel. An angel was a mediator to give to Moses. But it, but it contrasts, it said, but grace come, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we're living in a time of not a truth, but the truth. You know, Jesus isn't a way. He's the way. Sometimes we try to figure out a way out of, out of our ears, but he, he's not a way. He, he's the way. And the, the reason why he is is because he's right. You say, well, I already know that. I knew that before I came here. Yep, do you really? Huh? You can be seated. You know, people meditate. We talk about meditation on the Word. People say, I just don't have time. Are we going yet already? Are we already going? Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Live Church and those of you who joined us uh, by whatever means, Facebook, YouTube, NoTube, SomeTube. Anyway, you know, when Moses fulfilled his assignment, and I don't know what, what you think about it, but how would you like to step in behind Moses and say, you're next? I've heard so much this week about what it must be like for the man who's going to step in behind Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I get that. How would you like to step in behind Moses? <laughs> right? And you kind of know these people can complain. Y'all ever met anybody that complains? You don't dare ask them how the weekend is, was, because they'll tell you. They'll tell you. And, um, you know, and they're just some like, some people seem like to be, they're so negative that you just sure they just turned up a dill pickle gel, ate all the pickles, then just drank the juice. <clears throat> and they're just so sour and they're just so negative on life that they've got a nickname called Sunshine. And as soon as they walk in the room, the lights just go out. Well, but Jesus came with grace and truth. And I don't care what you're looking at because the, the greater the problem, the solution is always the same. We do it by degrees. We think we, we don't, the reason is, you don't, can I just be honest with you? And if I don't say something here, y'all just let me know. Uh, I mean, there's only, you know, I, I don't think God probably agrees with anybody's doctrine completely, do you? I mean, there might just be me and one other, I don't know. Uh, I, that other person, I still got the FBI looking at them a little bit, but uh, no, I just kidding. I don't think he agrees with anybody's doctrine 100%. <clears throat> but uh, that's why a year, uh, about a year and a half ago, he said, uh, why don't you check up on your preaching? Because I asked him, I says, why is this not working the way this used to work? This used to really work like this and like this, like this. And it was like, and it's like it's just disappeared without going into the particulars. 
And uh, I was asking him, but I wasn't really looking for him to answer me. <laughs> I was kind of talking to him, but sort of not really. Kind of like you do if you're riding a motorcycle. It's good. It's good. I mean, some of y'all do it fishing, some do golfing. I used to do it on a motorcycle. And now uh, I get, I do some on the zero turn, but it, it just ain't the same. I mean, I just, you know, it's, I mean, it's like Pastor Matt was talking about, you put your mind, you brush your teeth, you hear things, you know, you're doing things. It's just, you know, you don't have to engage your brain and you hear all kinds of things. And, uh, but anyway, he said, uh, check up on your preaching. And what he meant by that, he says, well, go, go in there and check your own notes of all these things that you, in, in the last two years. And I did, and I said, what's the problem? He said, there's, there's more commentary than there is my word. And I said, so what I'm playing is not, he says, check up, he didn't get in the particulars, he said, check up on your preaching. And without even realizing sometimes, you know, we have a way of interjecting our thought patterns and interpreting life, you know. Jesus said the reason the word can be non-effectual is because what? Men's traditions. And Jesus said, now, he, he, Jesus said, well, you, you would assume that everybody here is worshiping me. He said, many of these people are honoring me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So you couldn't do it as a person looking, not that we need to be looking at one another, but he was looking at the heart the whole time. And so uh, we, uh, I began to check up on the preacher. So whether you noticed or not, so about a year ago it changed. I generally would come up here with a little, I ministered like this. And then it just flowed. And then it just all changed about two years ago. And, uh, and so I would get ready and I'd hear little things, snip, you know, snippets of them, but when you have to sit down, for me, I don't know how it works for anybody else, but <clears throat> didn't used to be this way with me. But as I just, not necessarily praying to get it, but just, just doing life, you know. Someone, I've heard, I hear some people say, well, you know, if, I, if you need me to minister, I can, but I'm going to need about two or three weeks, you know, a month to get ready. Why? Why, 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 why do you need that long? I mean, why do you need three or four weeks to come up with a, to receive the, the offering? Why? I mean, how long have you been a Christian? Well, you know, about 40 years, and, and you need that long. In other words, see, if, if you just lived this, you wouldn't have to go find out what someone said about it. Right? Now, I, 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 I want to be your friend today. <laughs> but uh, I, I had a move. I, we, we had something happen in prayer last week, last Sunday, to me. To me. I only shared just a little bit of it. I told my wife when, through the week what happened. I said, I was aware when we was kind of pre-service prayer. And I knew what was going on in the room back there. I, I didn't leave the world. You know, I didn't, I wasn't like Peter in a trance on the housetop. I knew what was going on, but the Lord spoke to me specifically about some things. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was being chewed out, but, but I was being corrected. And he said, I'm talking to you because you're in charge. And you will answer for this. And if this is not corrected, it'll never change. And you'll never fulfill the assignment. And that's what you'll answer for. Because we're, we have, we have an assignment. We're not answering for sin. Jesus paid for sin. He put that away. What we as believers will answer for at the Bema seat or the you know, judgment seat in that application is also called the Bema seat, the reward seat. 
That's what we're going to answer towards. Why are you here? Why did I make you? What's your assignment? And I think there'll be a book of you, and he'll reach back and he'll get this, and he'll see if your life mirrored what he had planned in that book. Then he he'll, he will wait for answers. I won't be able to stand it with you. So well, no, can I go get my pastor? <laughs> no, I ain't going with you. You, you. you can't go get mama. You know, mama told you not to come. You have to be a little bit old enough. That's all. <laughs> and uh, so, um, uh, anyway, he, I, I won't get into what he told me, but there was there was there was an adjustment that I had to make. And I always said, you know, it's like it's, it's like in mechanics, or uh, you know, sometimes a vehicle or a motor or something just needs a minor adjustment. I won't give any particulars because I don't know any. I could get Bill; he'd come tell us all about it. But the only thing I think about when, when you and I had that 82 Buick Regal and, it, you know, and I had to move the distributor cap one way to crank it and then one way to shut it off. It was embarrassing going town. You know, I remember being in Clanton and at the old Winn-Dixie and you shut it off. But, you know, it's like, and, you know, you're like, it ain't mine, it ain't mine, it ain't mine. <laughs> so I didn't know how to fix it, but I just, I just learned it. you got to go this way, clock, counterclockwise to crank it, but then you got to pull the hood, you know, because it's going to be running for a minute or two or three. And uh, everyone's looking at you, like, do you know your car's running? I says, I, I just wish it'd take off. And just leave. <laughs> well, uh, Brother Hagen used to say this when we was at Bible school. Uh, from at that time, he was sixty years in ministry. And they asked him, "I said, Brother Hagen, what what's the number one thing that you would say personally that probably caused you to have success in ministry?" Uh, because really, Brother Hagen really wasn't a world known figure till he was in his late fifties. And if you ever knew this, he said, I would have been happy just to be that country preacher down the road with uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 people the rest of my life. I would just have been as satisfied as everything. But it wasn't the call on his life. But so they asked him, you know, doing what you've done and being where you've done and, you know, building the Bible school that, you know, uh, that now has reached around the planet where, you know, and just... What would be, if you had to say one thing, could, could you tell us just one thing that made the, you would say this made the most difference? He said, oh, that's the real easy. He said, praying. He said, especially praying in the spirit. He said, and then the Bible says, I will pray with the spirit and I also pray with the understanding. In other words, not everything that I pray the spirit need to be interpreted, but he said, but, but, but you can pray and you can get understanding and then know what to go do. They asked Oral Roberts the same question. He had the same exact answer. They asked Catherine Kuhlman the same question. She had the same exact answer. She said, pray him. So Brother Hagin said this. He says, you need to know this before y'all leave here. He said, I don't know. Some of y'all go help someone. Some of you be missionaries. Some of you might start a church. You might go do a lot of things. He said, but, but let me tell you this. He said, personally, you need to have a consistent prayer life, you know, fellowship, right? Uh, generally, most pastors tell you the hardest thing to get anybody to come do at a church. General consensus. I'm not talking to you individually. Pastors in general said the hardest thing to get people to ever come do is pray. Well, that just means not just that you're busy. That just means you don't really have one at home. Because if you have one at home and then you've come to the place of fellowship, you, you enjoy the praying. It's like, you know, 
I mean, I, I, I've been on both sides, so I, I mean, I know, I know when I was there, I was like, oh, man, we got to go pray. I need to read my Bible. Oh. Now, that way, I'm not talking about last week. I'm talking about, you know, back, back a while. And so he said, but Brother Hagin said, you can get behind in prayer. In other words, so you can get behind in knowing what to do. You can get behind knowing the will of God for your life. He says, or you can pray and get ahead. He said, if you pray the will of God for your life, he says, then you can just walk it out. Pray, pray, know the will of God, and then just walk it out. He said, if you don't pray, you get to work it out. Now, I don't, have, I don't know what my IQ has never had checked, and, and, and please don't give me any suggestions, what you think. But anyway, it's, uh, I mean, not being the sharpest knife in the drawer, I'd rather walk it out than work it out. And uh, 2005, for different reasons, was the year that I prayed for a lot of reasons uh, that just changed my whole life. And I learned some things about myself, the Holy Spirit, about prayer uh, that I didn't even know about until 2005 because it was the whole year was a mystery to me. And, uh, and I'll never forget, and, and then I began to see, not that you can have that kind of time, everybody has the kind of time, so we can't just quit our job. I'm not talking about quitting your job. I'm talking about you can just have a, an attitude. In other words, people say, well, I can't just sit at home and read scriptures maybe like you do and meditate. Well, I, I said, that's true, I, I understand that. But, but meditation just means just think, ponder, right? <laughs> well, you don't, don't raise your hand. Has anyone ever worried? About anything? I, know, I mean, no one has, right? Have you ever? Well, let me ask you. Does anyone know someone who's worried? Okay, well, I got it. But <clears throat> that's called uh, meditation. Did you, did you take your worry book with you and underline it, the, the highlight? No, so, so, so you didn't have to have, in other words, your, your life and your body follows what you're thinking as a man thinks, what? So is he. So I knew some areas that had to be fixed. He said, I'd rather you have less services if you need to and have more times of prayer so that you'll know where you're going. And so I told her that uh, Michelle this morning, of course, I didn't, I'll tell you right now, I, I, I've been up since 3.30. And so I just finally, about four o'clock, said, I, I guess we ain't going back to sleep. I was like, no, I just, okay, mine be quiet. About another hour and a half, please. <laughs> well, it never happened. So I had to have, you know, two folders, in, I mean, two soldiers in the cup, folders, whatever, I don't know, whatever they are. And, uh, and the Lord was just talking about that. I said, Lord, do you know what time it is? And, he, and I said, I know, you neither, I know you neither slumber nor sleep, but until I get you, I'm going to need some. <laughs> you know, going to need a little bit every now and then. So there's, there, there's a lot of ways that you think that you can do things, but there's only really one right way. You know, a lot of people say, well, there's, there's a lot of ways to get places. And people do things a lot of different ways. Well, that's true. It's, it's, it's like that. It's like that woman. You know, she. Uh, uh, I forget what her. I think her name was Charlotte. And she was married to a man named Carl, and it was their second marriage. One had been through a divorce, and one had lost a mate. And uh, and Carl had been through the divorce, and and well, he he's had a physical problem, and they couldn't fix it, and they knew he was going to pass. So uh, they come to terms with that and made plans. And she says, "Is there anything?" that you want special done at your funeral. And he says, well, you ain't gonna like this, but he says, you know, I had some money before we got married. And she says, yeah, no. He says, well, 
She said, what do you want me to do with it? He said, I, I want it to go with me. She said, well, you can't take it to heaven. He said, well, I want it in my casket. He said, you know that $50,000 I got? He said, yeah. He said, he said, I want it in the casket. She said, Carl, she said, you're not going to. He says, you asked me what I wanted. It was my money before we got married. And he had a little issue with money. And uh, she, she thought, because he, he collected pocket knives, he would want some of them to you know, take with him. And uh, which he ain't going to wear. The body ain't going to wear, right? But it was still his hangups. He says, no, I want, I, I, want the, I want the money in the casket. And she says, he said, give, give me your word. So she did. And the day of the funeral come. And uh, she told the, uh, you know, the people at the funeral home, she says, I got, I'm going to put a personal item in. She says, you know, when everybody's through, right before y'all close it for the last time, I got to put something in there. He says, okay, just, you know, and uh, he says, well, that's, he says, a large item. She says, no. And he, she said, it'll be, you know, but I, I have to do this. It has to be done. I gave my word to Carl. He said, oh, okay, people do that. You know, they put personal items in there. And uh, he, she said, okay, I just need you to know. So they got through and <clears throat> got to the end and she walked up there. And she had a little purse and she opened it up and, you know, and no one could really see her. She leaned over and. She put something there. She hadn't told nobody, but her best friend was there. And she asked her at the funeral. She said, she said, uh, didn't, she said, can I ask you, didn't I see you put some, something in the casket? She said, yeah. She says, so she told her the whole story, what Carl wanted. She says, so you put $50,000 cash in that casket? She says, no. She said, I took the 50000 and put it back, but I wrote him a check. <laughs> She said, I saw another way to get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she made it out to him. She said, started getting money over it. She said, I just wrote him out a check and can't nobody, you know, get it but him. <laughs> so we might think there's a lot of ways to get there and pick another one, but it won't always take you where you want to go. Uh, so <clears throat> this is what I have. So this is exactly what he gave me. I, I, I'm like, well, aren't you having me leave the series? He says, not really. You know, we even talking about seize the moment, seize the day, seize the moment. Sounds like a New Year's thing, you know, about people open to new ideas and, you know, and resolutions, and which usually last about three or four weeks. You know, then salad gets really old, especially when it's cold, right? And then it goes by the wayside. Well, that's not what Seize the Moment was about, but sometimes we're, more, we're more, more open to new ideas and change first of the year. God understands us. He made us. And, uh, but this was his idea. He says, so he said, this started back on October 7th. When he said that, I knew what it meant because on October 7th, when I turned the TV on, Israel was attacked by Hamas. And, then he, and, and as soon as he did that, as soon as I saw it, he said, the prophetic timeline has just changed and will never go back. Whether that ends, and it's, you know, because Israel's had a lot of wars. Israel has enemies, but you know why they do. And, uh, and he says, so the prophetic time has changed. It'll never go back, and now things will accelerate as never before. He said, and the church has to be, is going to be prepared for its finest hour. And he says, uh, continue. He said, you was instructed to pray. You was always instructed to pray. The Bible tells you, tells us, you know, pray for Jerusalem, pray for the peace, pray for the prosperity, pray for them. But I don't, I'm, don't show hands. So all I can tell you is since October the 7th, for the first time in my life, I, I have not missed one day of praying for Jerusalem 
uh, since that day because of how he instructed me. Well, then we went into nine weeks, I think, nine weeks of teaching about end times. Uh, just, you know, just the chronological order of events that will take place before the rapture and such as that. Then we're, now we're three weeks into seize the moment. And then I'm like, so we're, we're changing the subjects already? Well, <clears throat> you know, I've learned years ago when the Lord doesn't answer you, just quit talking for a while. So I, I just listened. So he, he said, go, go to Zechariah. You can go there. Or, yeah, Zechariah 10, 1. You don't have to. It's going to be up on the stage. But if you're making notes, if you want to go there. I won't spend a lot of time there. But uh, 10, 1, he says, ask you the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. So Zechariah says, ask of the Lord rain. Now, if you're on my side and you've been thinking I'm in a series of seize the moment and you're and you know to go to that verse, you're like, OK, I, what does that have to do with what we're doing? <laughs> you know, see, that's the, that's what the mind does. We're, we're trying to figure out, you know, I thought maybe God forgot, you know, what series we was in. And I had to remind him we're not doing this right now. Well, I'm just being facetious, but I'm just saying. Here he says, as I grasp, says that we are to ask or inquire of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Now, I'm going to give you uh, some verses and then we'll have some commentary. Uh, so if you're making notes, um, we won't turn to these for sake of time, but, I'm, but I want you to have, the, I want you to have the, uh, the verses where they are. James 5, 7 in the ESV says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the latter rain. There it is again. The early and the latter rain. Zacharias said, ask of the Lord rain. It talked about the former. It talked about the latter. James talks about the, it talks about the former rain, the latter rain, the fruit of the earth, that the Lord is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Well, what could be, possibly be the precious fruit of the earth? To him, it's people, right? It's not Carl's fifty thousand dollar check, huh? The Lord has to be pretty well off, don't you think he is? Have you ever noticed he's never taken anybody's stuff? He doesn't even need your toothbrush or your favorite socks. He must have his own Dollar General up there. Uh, he, he, in other words, he has plenty. He doesn't need anything that you have on earth. Matter of fact, he doesn't even need your body to go with you. And some of us will say, well, praise the Lord. Now, you're going to like your glorified body. He's not going to deal with your body. It's just going to be glorified. You know, corruption will take on incorruption. Mortality will take on immortality. You'll have the same body Jesus did when he was resurrected. If need be, Jesus walked through walls. It would seem that you would be able to do that. You probably will do that in the millennium. I don't have a scripture for that. I'm saying, I'm interjecting that. I'm not saying the scripture says you walk. I, I didn't say the scripture. I said, we'll have the same, as he is, so are we will know him as we were known. <clears throat> when Jesus walked through the wall and talked to Thomas, he says, now do you believe? <clears throat> and he just walked through the wall. Well, that would get your attention. It'd get my attention. And so, <clears throat> I mean, think that'd be pretty cool that you, you wouldn't mind walking through walls. 
How many going to mess with a few people doing it for a while? He's like, hey. Well, <clears throat> so that'd be in heaven, but it's probably going to be on the millennium. Because in the millennium, you're going to have two classes of people occupying for the first, for the first time ever. You're going to have, during the millennium, you're going to have us coming back from heaven after seven years of the rapture. That's if, you know, those of you who believe in the rapture. If you, if you, if you don't believe in the rapture, I, man, I love you. <clears throat> but while you're here, I'm going to be there. And uh, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is seven years nonstop eating with no carbs. It, it doesn't even matter. I don't have no scripture for that. But I'm just about, but when, when we come back here for the seven years, or, you know, it would be for the thousand year millennium reign, you have people that did live through the tribulation. Many won't. Matter of fact, if you go back and remember what we talked about, half the planet will, will be killed. Many of those won't, many of those will be people who accepted Christ, but they wouldn't take the mark. <clears throat> so either they died of starvation or they were beheaded and killed. They will be resurrected and be in the millennium. And so you'll have people who were saved and you'll have some people who just make it through the millennium, uh, which no one wants to do that. Uh, no one wants to be here for that seven year period. So they'll come into the millennium. We'll be coming back out of heaven. You'll be in your glorified body. They'll be in a natural body. That's never happened before. So we will coexist on this planet for a thousand years with people with natural bodies while you're in your spirit body. <clears throat> I don't even know. Uh, I looked at some scriptures that could be interpreted either way. I don't even know that we'll have remembrance of that. But we might. So you might find someone who's going, oh, my. And you're like, man, I can remember that. I, I hate that for you. <laughs> it's like, that's bad, ain't it? <laughs> I remember that. Well, <clears throat> But we'll be here, and, and there'll be such longevity of life. You know, uh, so the scripture says, someone who dies during the millennium, which wouldn't be you because you're never dying, so you would have a natural person who didn't receive Jesus during the millennium, which the scripture talks about, which sadly talks about there'll be people who won't receive Jesus during the millennium, even though they meet him and see him. That, that's hard for me to comprehend that we, we read this and, and believe from here. You're going to show them him. And the scripture says, many will say, I, I, I just don't think so. What you said. I, I, I don't know. I, I just believe this is one of the rewards that you have for attorneys because you were you, you one who believed even though you didn't get to see from those who will actually see. We, we know that we go to Jerusalem at least once a year, the Bible says, and you hear Jesus preach. It didn't say twice a year. I don't know. It didn't, but all I can say is the scripture said, we will be there once a year and we will hear him preach. Apparently, Jesus' ministry is so great, you could live a year off one sermon, which would fix, you know, work with a lot of people how they do, how they do church now, you know, Christmas registers. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm just saying, but, but it'll work. They'll, they'll go and they'll, be, and they'll be blessed. Well, so we are in a place to where when he said, well, you're teaching on end times, he said, then seize the moment. He said, seize the moment is not a New Year's message. He said, the moment's coming quickly. So he's preparing, he's preparing the church for the coming of the Lord. He said, well, we've heard that all our, all of our life. You know, you know, how, how many went to church, you know, and sang in the choir, Jesus coming soon, morning, night, or noon? And some people say, well, I've heard that all my life. 
Well, Peter talked about people who said that. He calls them scoffers. Yeah, we've heard he's coming. Yeah, 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 whatever. <clears throat> and by the Holy Ghost, he called people who, who talk like that scoffers. He said, you and I are supposed to be at, looking for him every day and anticipate his coming. There is a generation of people, obviously, who's going to be alive when he comes. If you understand the, the scriptures, there's nothing to be fulfilled. Nothing. I mean, for the rapture, for sure. There, there is no signs for the rapture. There's tons of signs for the second coming. The, the Matthew 24 and 25 that you read is not, those aren't signs of the rapture. Those signs are the second coming, which is, and we, we come back seven years after that, right? The tribulation. So if you can see the setup while you're still here of what it's going to be like when we come back, how close are you to leaving? In other words, do you, do you suppose, can't prove this, but don't you suppose it's very possible the Antichrist is on the earth right now? I don't even think in an infant form. The setup of a, of a one world uh, uh, economy has been in the setup for a long time, but it can't take place. Why? Because the Antichrist can't come because the, the great restrainer. Well, who's the great restrainer? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. But where does he live? He lives in you. Because light is here, darkness can't put light out. Like I always said, you can't, you can't go to Lowe's or Home Depot and say, I got a room that's just too light. I need to buy me some dark bulbs to put it out. They don't have dark bulbs to extinguish light. Light to extinguish darkness. So the Holy Ghost can't come do what he wants to do because you are here. But the day will come when you're not here. When you're not here. <clears throat> and so he's preparing us for this time. And there has to be an awakening to it. There has to be an assignment to it. And it's also connected to prayer. So he says, Zechariah says, ask for the rain. Now, let me go, uh, let me go quickly. So uh, Hosea 6.3, don't turn there, but Hosea 6.3 it says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear and he will come to us like the winter rains and like the spring rains that water the earth. In other words, he said, I'm going to come to you like rain. Now, a little extra verses in the book of Joel. Some of these uh, you're very familiar with that you've heard, and they have to do with end time events. But in Joel 2.23, it says, be glad, uh, be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful, and he sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. Verse 24, this is the NIV. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Verse 25, and I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locusts swarm by my great army that I sent among you. Verse 26, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be ashamed or, or, or be shamed. Verse 27, then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other, never again will my people be shamed. For the day of the Lord, which is the end time term, the day of the Lord. Then afterwards, I will pour out my spirit upon people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. 
even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. I mean, just think about all the blood moons we've had. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Before that day of the coming of the dreadful day of the Lord. You got the battle of Armageddon coming. The day of the Lord. When you read all these scriptures and you go back to it, the Lord's going to be doing everything he can to reach every person. The, the great, probably the greatest revival, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I, I know from the scriptures, I, I know basically half the planet after we're gone gets saved under a lot of adversity. So that is going to be one of the greatest harvests that ever took place after you're gone. But it, the scripture talks about even before Jesus comes, you know, all, all through the tribulation, people can get saved. Right? Even, even under the most adverse conditions. But, but it's available to them. And he's going to be doing everything that he can to get people saved. Matter of fact, the, 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 there's no light in the world for, for like, you know, I think it's uh, for, almost like 48 hours. I mean, just to get your attention, the, the whole earth turns dark. But when Jesus comes back with us on a white horse, giddy up, it's too late then. It's too late. I asked Michelle crazy questions one probably from lack of sleep. I said, well, we have four kids. If you had to pick one to stay here, and I won't go past that. If you had to pick one to stay here and, and they had to live through the tribulation, which one would you pick? Which one of your kids would you want to stay here? If, which one of your grandkids would you want to be here for the tribulation? If you had to pick one to not make it to heaven, which one would you pick? Can you see how the Lord must feel? Does he care? Children? He, he loves your children more than you love them. He knew them before you knew them. Which one would you choose to stay here? Or, or never make it to heaven. And only he knows the time, but if you're running out of time, I mean, if this is not the time for any kind of action, then, 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 then when, when is it going to be? If you aren't the people, who's, if we aren't the people, then, then who's going to do it? You say, well, that's what you do. Really? So, so this is my job? I mean, I mean, back to a sports analogy. So if you, so if you want to take a great, I mean, I know all this week's been about Nick Saban and the new coach, all that. And, and I am an Alabama fan, but I don't, I don't really care a whole lot like I used to care. I mean, I, mean, I, I can go to sleep real quick, even after I lost. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> they never sent me a check. Never. So I don't really care that much. Okay. So, but, but. If we can put that kind of time and energy into just natural things which have no eternal value whatsoever, how much more? How much more? If something that could hold your attention so much that, that, that we're, we're pondering on it so much. Do you, do you know how many people in the foyer and by, in churches after church are going to talk about, you know, in different parts of the state of Alabama, about when, well, what do you think about the hire, man? Well, I don't know. He come up with Washington, man. He, he ain't be able to recruit nobody down. 
Well, I think it's pretty good. Well, who cares? I mean, I, I'm for them and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not anti-whatever, but, but that's just not. So only the Lord knows how much time's left. So he just so told me, he says, you know, it wasn't just, he said, you, you heard what I told you when the Israel attacked? I said, yes, sir. you told me. I, always, I knew Israel was a time clock. He said, Time's never, time is accelerated. It'll never go back. And then even this message about seize the moment, it, it, it's about the bigger picture, seize the moment. So when I was in 2005, when I prayed that extensively for different reasons, I found out that if you don't, I mean, I, I just found out from, from that year of praying that much, I found out that people who don't really have a prayer life, they really don't even know. I mean, they're good people. They love God. They're going to go to heaven. They're, I mean, they're, they're, I don't mean this as a condemnation. I just mean if you're that busy then that you don't really have that much time to pray, you really don't even know what's going on in the kingdom because you're just too busy. I found myself knowing things about people that was just, I don't even know why the Lord was telling me. And uh, then, he, then, then he would tell me, he said, I, I remember one time, uh, you know, he said, in, in three months, this is going to happen. And someone's going to call you. I remember one time he said, in six months, someone's going to call you and tell you this. And I'm like, really? And, and I kind of forgot it after a while. Both things happened just like that. But I had such an awareness because I was kind of on page with him. I, I, in other words, I was enjoying the fellowship with him. And he was guiding and directing my life. I, I knew what to do and I knew what not to do from someone who knows everything. Everything. So if the one who knows everything knows you kind of run out of time, to use Joe Marks' sports analogy again, he said, you know, if you're watching a ball game, NFL or college, and when you get down to the last two minutes and you're a touchdown or 10 points behind, you can throw the playbook out. How many time we got? None, George. Then the, we're probably not going to run up the middle. Right? So everything gets accelerated in the last two minutes. So the generation that's going to be alive right before it comes, it's going to look different than any generation who's ever lived here before. So we're going to have to have a different mindset. So things are going to pick up, but we're graced to do it. We're grace to do it. And you, you couldn't pick a better time to be on earth than right now. People say, you know, I, people say well, I wish I was born here when, and when, when, when Jesus walked on the earth. No, you wouldn't. Oh, yes, I would. I'd love to see the miracles. Well, he told you to do the same work that I'm doing now, and you'll see him again, right? Jesus came as an Old Testament prophet during the Old Covenant to bring in a new covenant. How would you like to be back there where they're still dragging their goat, you know, Sit down and tell somebody all your sins for a year. There's mainline denominations still do that. I'm walking to a booth and say, well, I'm glad. I mean, just pastoring for 30 years. I'm so glad I ain't that guy on the other side. I've heard enough. How would you like to sit there all day long and say, okay, well, give me 50 push-ups, <laughs> 14 Hail Marys, right? Well, and then you had to bring your, your best sacrifice, and the priest had to examine him because they're going to cut his throat and apply the blood. Well, Jesus is our best sacrifice. Think about it. Jesus is your sacrifice. So back then, it was a type and shadow of the Christ to come. 
So the priest had to examine it to see if it was worthy for a sacrifice for your sin. So when you and I make mistakes, or can we just say sin, when we sin and we, when we go to the Father, he's reminded of what Jesus did for him. Amen. So he knows you're guilty, but he's not examining you. You're not the sacrifice. Amen. He had a sacrifice. Amen. And he knows he was perfect. Amen. So he's, he's never looking at you. When, you. when you say, Father, I made a mistake, the Lord says, you did? When? When? He knows it. But Jesus was your sacrifice for your past, your present, and your future. So, you know, people didn't want to bring their best sacrifice, so they bring a lamb, you know, that the, a wolf didn't got part of his leg before they shot him, and then they bring old Gimpy up there. Like, <laughs> Gimpy have offspring, they'll all be dragging that leg. You couldn't do that. You, you had to bring your best. And then he would examine it and make sure it was without splot or blemish to see if it was worthy as a type and shadow of the blood that would forgive you of your to come. Jesus has already went and paid your past, your present, and your future. It's called the grace of God. Amen. So when we make a mistake, he's never looking at you. He's looking at Jesus. Amen. And there's no condemnation to those who's in Christ Jesus. Amen. None as in, and I looked up that word in the Greek and the Hebrew and Aramaic, and it meant none. Like zero, like little bitty numbers, nothing. There's no condemnation to you. So, so, so why do we live that way? Well, that means we can just do anything we want to. No, it doesn't mean that. It means you have the grace of God to keep you and give the ability to God to keep you from sin. The Bible said the, the grace of God will teach you how to live righteous, not excuse it. Okay, I'm getting on another message. Whew, oh man, I got to hurry and got about three hours. No, oh, but that's all right. I got pizza coming over, brother. No. So the day of the Lord. Now, so the book of Joel, uh, uh, he, he says, So the sun be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. And, uh, the, uh, and it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord be saved. For on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, there'll be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors in the Lord calls. Now, um, I'm going to skip because I took the extra time. Not that it's not important, but it can be read us. All right, now. Now, uh, it's a promise that God's going to restore, according to Joel's prophecies, the early and the latter rains. That's what the book of Joel tells us. And, and uh, if you do any study in, in Israel, Jerusalem, you'll find out that uh, since the, the people have migrated, as the scripture said, they would come back to the land before the Lord comes there's been a great increase of waterfall for the last several years since they've been coming back. Uh, the scripture talks about over a hundred something thousand types of migratory birds will come back into Jerusalem and Israel. And for the last 14 years, they're having over a hundred and something thousand species of birds landing in Jerusalem and Israel. And they don't, they're trying to figure out why. Well, if you're reading Revelation, they'll tell you why. They're the great cleanup after the, after the battle of Armageddon when, when the blood is up to the bride of the horse. That the Lord gets into detail, said when this is over, someone's going to need to clean up the streets. So he has a hundred and something thousand birds come from all over the planet getting them ready for the Ezekiel War. And, and uh, <laughs> it's down to the moment. So like I said, the, the end time, the rapture has no, it has signals, but it doesn't have signs. The second coming when we come back after seven years has tons of signs. 
So if you can see the second coming signs from Jemison, Alabama today, before they happen, then how quick are you to leave in here? If you can see the setup before we leave, then how quick are you to leave here? So shouldn't we sound the alarm? Shouldn't there be a pace? I mean, we, we don't know this, and I know it's just a crazy example, but if the Lord's going to come Thursday, he's going to come Thursday. How many going to clean out your garage Monday or Tuesday? Anybody going to work in the garden? Anybody going to paint the back bedroom? How many going to go to work? How many going to make your car payment? What would you do from now to Thursday? Talk. Talk. Which, which means what? You'd be sharing the good news? With who? Everybody. I mean, I know it doesn't work that way, but he's coming Thursday. Two o'clock in the afternoon. How, how many are you going to go reach people? How many, if you have to, you'll push the envelope a little bit? How many of some family members you might hold a 38 special to the head and say that salvation prayer is <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding about that, but I'm saying, but, but, but you get bold when you go out, because Thursday's coming. Thursday's coming. And it's, it's, you have to understand that Thursday's coming. So our behavior would change, our thinking would change, our actions would change. But because we don't know that, we don't do that. But did you know 156,000 people leave the planet every day? Which is two football stadiums. That at every second, 1.8 people die. That means, and then, and then, and then, two people leave the planet every 1.8 seconds. So the Bible says we need to redeem the time and understand the time. Jesus wanted to know what, how, how come you can interpret the weather when you look at the sky and you know when it's, the season's going to change, but you don't understand the time spiritually that, that, that you're living in. He said even the sons of Issachar understand, understood the time so they would know how to work with that time. So this may not be a popular message, this is not one you may want to shout around the room. It's more sobering than everything. So he just tells us first off to ask for the rain. Well, <clears throat> rain is an absolute essential for life. Without rain, there's no crops. Without rain, there's no food. There's no substance. Zechariah says, meaning, says, uh, Zechariah says, uh, pray, right? Remember, pray. And heaven will hear and respond with what? Spiritual rain. So we as the church are instructed to pray for the, the, the spiritual rain. Now, what is rain? Now, you can just say things, but, but what's rain? Well, when the Bible talks about rain, sometimes it's talking about little rain. But the rain that we're talking about, and the scripture's talking about here, is rain is the outpouring of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and of God's presence. We need a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and of God's presence. The church needs to realize that what it's doing is failing. But we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Looking for a better program. 
looking for some way to reach people, mostly pastors, because pastors can have tunnel vision. They see four walls and see people all the time. And they're looking to increase the numbers, increase the revenue. I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I, I know a few of them, so I mean, you got me to lie to you. I mean, they care, but I'm just saying, but they're looking, you know, they have a vision. So it's going to take people, it's going to take finances, it's going to take all that. It's a business in that sense, right? It is a business. I mean, I, I, I can call about a power company and say, I, I, I wish y'all quit billing me because you, I don't think y'all understand, we are a church. And they say, oh, and Keith, who should I talk to about that? <laughs> you don't want, you can't help me there? You don't have no way on the inside? I thought you'd be some help ever since you're there. But you don't think they'll help me with that? So if Grace Life Church doesn't pay their light bill, what's going to happen? We're going to be dark. We're going to be dark. We have helped so many missionaries get to where they... Last year was the, was the greatest that we've, amount we've ever given missions in 30 years. We've sent people all over the planet to preach. During COVID, COVID began the best year that we ever had financially. COVID. Where a lot of folks has just never come back. And, and some because of age and whatever. And, and I get that. And hello. But I am you know, glad that they're listening. But I'm just saying that was our best year financially. Does that make sense to you? I mean, if, 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 you, if you had a taco truck, taco stand, and 100 people frequented it every day, then it went down to 30. Wouldn't you think your revenue would be less? 30 just started eating more tacos. I, I, I don't know what happened. But it just became more. And then the Lord said, you know, he, he told me, he said, now, I, I want you to build that church in Africa. And I said, you want us, a church this size, to build a church in Africa? He says, yeah, get, get, let's get with it. And then we, we, we weren't even through doing that. And, and I'm just sitting here talking like I'm right now. I ain't, I've never asked anybody for a penny. Can y'all think of any time I've ever asked anyone online to give any time? Matter of fact, it's, it's my fault I don't preach more on finances. Because there's so much about it that you, you just hate to just be another one of those. It's like, you know, everyone says, we'll give it to the Lord, but they give you their address. So, <laughs> so I'm just preaching, you know about this, this man that we're building the church for in Africa and how the guy fell off the roof there and then Builder can't finish the work. And, uh, and, and then he sends me you know, on Messenger uh, a, a picture of what he's doing. And I says, oh, so the guy's working again? He says, oh, no. He says, he said, man, fall off top of building. He said, head, head still hurt. <laughs> I says, so what are you doing? He says, well, this was my land. I'm, I, I'm putting footings down for my house. Because my house is way far from where the church is going to be. And I'm 38 years old. I've never had a vehicle. And no one in our church has a vehicle. Most of them make 12 to $14 a week if they can get in 50 hours. But it's COVID and they couldn't get in 50 hours. He says, so for, for 15, 20 years of my life, I've been paying for a block a week. So one day I could have a house. My aunt gave me this land before she died. So you told me faith makes plans. I said, yeah. He says, so since man is sick, can't finish church. He said, I have $600 worth of blocks that I've saved for over 20 years. And I'm, and I'm having these people put in fittings. I said, I thought someone blessed him to finish the house. I'll get rid of George. He says, no, no, just putting in some footings. 
And then the Lord told me, he says, so, he says, so finish the church and let's get this house built. I said, build a church, build a house? This year, like, you know, COVID, it, us, this size. He says, yeah. Well, for, for the first time, I, I don't even know people's watching. I don't, I mean, I, mean, I know the cameras are out there. It's got a big red, red light looking at me like, hey. But I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to y'all. And I care about who there, but I wasn't paying any attention. I didn't know people from Canada was watching. I didn't know people from other countries was watching. And I was just giving this illustration about what faith does and makes plans. And they, they started sending money from other countries to help me to help this pastor finish that church and finish that, and finish that house from other countries. And the Lord, he laughed at me. He says, he said, he said, you wouldn't look at He said, you weren't expecting that one, was you? And I said, no. And the day that we was doing that, I had a visitor here, never been here before or since. And, and, and I wasn't receiving money. I was just using what he was, what, what Pastor Sunday Gar was doing by faith while he couldn't build his church because the contractors, you know, fell off the building. And so he just went and started building his house. And then he, he did $600 with it and he was through. And there was a visitor here, and they put, I think, $2,000 in the offering. Never happened before or since. I, I wasn't receiving an offering. And then I, I had a pastor. He said, I heard about so-and-so. He said, I'm going to send you $1,000 next week. He said, I, I want you to put that on that pastor's house. He said, he has a vehicle. I said, no, that needs to be a project one day. He's 38. He has license, but he's, he doesn't have a vehicle. And they run their church with a generator because they don't, you know, there's just no structure. There are 14 years of civil war and they don't have any. So if you're in Liberia and you go walk and get gas for your generator to run your keyboard by and your sound system, well, someone broke in his church last week and stole it from me. Broke through the eaves, knocked the block out, come on the other side. And you go, and you go over and you buy gas for 850 a gallon. And I said, well, there's a hundred some people there now. He said, yes, sir. I said, well, I mean, you know, because I have a right to ask, you know, I mean, I have a right to ask. Well, what's the revenue of the church now? He says, well, sometimes on a good month, he said, we, between a hundred and hundred fifty dollars. So then this year, the Lord says, now help with the school because his kids don't know how to read. And most adults don't know how to read. They have a Bible and he can read, but they can't read. And if, they, if there is jobs, they can't fill the jobs because they're illiterate. So some retired pastors from Michigan are helping. And, and so we're paying teachers to come into the church right now until they can build enough facility to teach these kids how to read just up to third grade starting there. Some of these people in the first grade are teenagers. But we're having to pay the teachers because the teachers have to have a salary, right? And they have to have a way to get there. And they don't have a car. But they have a college education. So that's why those teachers have to have $40 a month. But then the next problem was, how do we feed them during the day? And I said, well, 
well, I know they ain't going to school and, and they won't let girls go to school because they say, you know, if, if, if you even had the finances, we, we put it in the men because the woman's going to be domestic. So a girl would never get to go to school anyway. So through your helping and giving, we, 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 by the Spirit of God, grace, that's been changed. We've got a lot of girls in school right now. We've got teenagers learning how to read and they know the alphabet. And they can tell you what four plus four is. And they're learning multiplication tables. And it, and it just took someone helping and buying books. So we have five teachers teaching 50 students from, you know, from five years old up to whatever age they are. Well, Pastor Sondergaard, I think he's 38. And I think he graduated from school when he was 28 or 9. So they don't have our opportunity. But you can have the same success what it looks like in Liberia because you know why? Because you have the same book. And you have the same God. And you say it, have the Holy Ghost. It, it may not look like it does here, but you have the equivalent of there. So people come to Grace Life Church International and now Grace Life Academy and say, how, how, how's this happening over here? He said, well, it's just during COVID and I found some woman named, um, not you, but when Michelle Franklin was here, who was doing outreach for kids and found her. And he says, then I said, where do you go, church? Then he found me. I mean, you're over in the library and you find a redneck like me sitting in Jemison. And the Lord says, so, I've built, so we have built a church, a school, I mean, a church, a home, and now working on a school, and I've never even been there. Now, and I'm, and I'm mentoring, help mentoring this man through Facebook Messenger. I've only got about probably seven to 10,000 hours of my time to mentor someone to know word. Because it's my assignment. Amen. Amen. Now, if you'd asked me a few years ago, <clears throat> you going to put a Grace Life Church over in Africa? I said, no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've sent a lot of people on mission trips, helped them get there, right? But the only way I left the country was on a cruise ship, on one of them floating troughs. I wouldn't have thought the Lord would ever use me to do anything like that. Wait till you see what he shows you this year. Y'all okay? Y'all had all you can take and you ready to go home? <laughs> I mean, it's funny we watch a two, three hour movie. Eat popcorn. And the pastor ain't through in 20 minutes, it's like, oh, it was terrible. Well, what do you think? I mean, we think heaven's going to be like. I mean, it's not going to be nonstop preaching. You're going to have fun. Amen. All right, so I'll, I'll go real fast now. So, so rain is the literal rain. The rain is the outpouring of the manifestation of the presence of God. Hosea 6.3 said again, and, it and he shall come to us as rain. He shall come to you. See, remember, remember we started off Jer uh, in Zechariah, ask the Lord for rain. Hosea said, and then, okay, so ask him. And then Hosea says, and, he, and then he shall come to you as rain. Why, did, why will he come as rain? Because you asked him to. As the latter and the former rain on the earth. Now, did you hear that? He shall come to you as rain, the latter and former. Now, so 
Isaiah 44, 3, said, he said, I will pour out water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit. Now, he didn't say, I'll pour out of my spirit. He said, I'll pour out my spirit. So a place that's thirsty. People say, well, you know, God, God can't, you know, have a revival place like this because, I mean, this place is so dry. He's going to go where it's all working. Well, he may not. He said, here, I'm going to pour out water where it's, the ground is parched. Hmm? I'm going to pour out my spirit upon the place that's parched, pour out my spirit upon the seed and the blessing of the offspring. Now, um, in Ephesians 1, God is called the Father of all glory. So when he pours out of himself, he's pouring out of his presence. See, people like us, word people, we put a lot of emphasis on the word and integrity of the word, and rightfully so. But you can have word and no spirit, and they'll just be dry. Then I've been in churches where it's just spirit and no word, and you can have some wild stuff going on. I mean, I've, I've met people say, well, I mean, it's, it's just been amazing in our church. It's just, it's just during praise and worship, it just goes on there, and our pastor ain't been able to preach in three months. We just laying on the ground every Sunday. I was like, he ain't been able to preach in three months. Well, it could be he just ain't preached in three months. It could be he's getting a vacation. See, but what do we need? We need the Word and the Spirit. You don't need just Word. Huh? You don't, you don't need just the letter. You need, you need the Spirit. But you can't have the Spirit and say, well, we don't need to worry anymore. We just got the Holy Ghost and we don't need to worry. He's the author of this book. You think he's going to throw his own book away? So, so we need both. And so we're, we're, we're not the church he's supposed to beg if you understand the new covenant like, oh, God, come. Now, I don't want to offend anybody because this is where, if you can be offended, you'll be offended right here. At least I told you. <laughs> But if you can be offended by doctrine, this is, go ahead and get it right here. You won't hurt my feelings. I got over that years ago. The first three years of pastoring, I just thought, uh-uh, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I ain't a crier, but, if I, could, but I got my tears out the first two years. I didn't know Christians could be so mean. I had no idea. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, you know, I, I said, I've never been kicked everywhere. I've never been spit on with, with saliva running down my face. I've never been slapped until I got in the ministry. Now, I've gotten fights as a kid, you know, at school, you know, as I'm as always over a girl, but I mean, but, but I understood that. But, you know, I, I've had women just absolutely said, you know, and they got mad because I wouldn't let them do whatever they was wanting to do the way they want to do it. And I won't get into that story, but you wouldn't have either, you know, because they had some plans. And I'm in the building, and, you, and I find out they can't come in here with me because they had plans. But I was 32, and they were 64. And I, and I was like, Dale, if that's all the temptation you got, you, you, I, mean, I mean, I'm not against them, but if that's all you got to pull on me, I'm 30-something years old, and she's 64. And she said, I'm missing my husband. He's, he's, I said, yeah, I know. I said, we miss him. He, he's with Jesus. She said, and she reached touch. She said, I mean, I miss him. I was like, oh, God. So she wanted the key to the building. Why, and could come in there anytime she wanted to. She said, I'm going to pull the weeds and the flowers. I'm thinking, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> so I told her no. So she got mad. She said, you're going to let a woman, 64 years old, come work in there and not even have a key to get, to, even to get some water. And I said, well, just, just come when we're here. 
So she got married and she, so she walked in my office one day and she said, the Lord told me to tell you to go to, you know, whatever. And she went. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I wasn't as developed in love back then as much as I am now. And I'm not saying I'm fully developed then. And I've never, well, I did once, but I, I'm not into hitting women. And she said, and the Lord told me to do this. And so she kicked me in the shins and then she spit in my face and it was rolling down. And I said, I said, the Lord's speaking to me. <laughs> and I said, he's telling me to tell you to run. Because <laughs> I know the scripture said he will repay, but I'm willing to help him right now. And she had me doing all kinds of things. I mean, I was two years old, minister for years old. I didn't know come on from sickle. I thought my job was to do anything they asked. So she'd get me over the house, and you know, and she was depressed again, and you know, she was, but it was a trap to get me in the house and whatever, because she was missing Richard. And I didn't know she I had I didn't have enough sense to know that you know she meant physically. And she said, Well, you're my high priest. And I said, I'm your what? She said, I'm paying my tithes directly to you because you're my high priest. I said, I'm not your high priest. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're my high priest. She said, you just don't, you're a new pastor. You'll say you're my high priest. That means I'm supposed to do a chores around the house. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I owned a pretty good business before I left it and went into ministry. And I, I could go back. <laughs> I, I don't have to do this. And then Michelle she did the same thing. She told me, she said, you know, husband, you need to listen to your women, your wives. Amen. And the wife said, and she said, now this girl over here, she says, you, you better watch it. I said, oh, and she don't been there like two, three times. She says, you, you need to watch her. And I said, oh, Michelle, I mean, it's just personality. She, she just has, you know, real, she said, it's not personality. She's up to no good. And I said, oh, honey, I said, it ain't nothing to all that. So I, I blew off what my wife was telling me. But it wasn't but two more Sundays on a Sunday night in the Clanton building that she met me in the back hallway. She'd been about five weeks back then. Yeah, she'd been about then five weeks. And she was just, boy, she just, bold. the devil can be bold. I wish Christians was as bold as this one was. And she wasn't, you know, she, she wasn't going to win no ugly award. She was a decent looking person. And she says, she says, I just need to ask him real quick. She says, no, you don't know me. And I'm not trying to have a relationship with you. She said, I've just never been with a minister and I'd like to, I'd like to sleep with you. Just say, I've been with the minister. She said, are you interested? I couldn't hardly believe it. And she said, she said do you want to sleep with me? And she said, I, I, no ties, nothing. Just, I, I just want to be with a minister. She said, well, you want to sleep with me? I said, well, I, I ain't real sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but if you go back to the sanctuary, I said, have you met Michelle here? She said, I know she is. I said, ask her. And if she's okay with it, we'll talk further. Well, I never saw her again. <laughs> and I figured if I told Michelle, I mean, Michelle wouldn't hurt nobody, you know, unless you make her mad. I mean, it'd take a lot to make Michelle mad. But if she's mad, uh, you, you, you need to leave her alone. I knew she'd drag her by the hair of the head and wasn't no, out in that kudzu patch behind the old building and wouldn't no one ever find her. But you know what? I couldn't see what she knew all along. She said, this woman ain't up to no good. And I said, oh, it's just a personality. It wasn't a personality. <laughs> and I thought, this is what the ministry is like, right? 
Then it wasn't two days later, I went to the post office in Clinton and I got a letter from someone who'd been there, who'd been there for prison for two or three years, and we was trying to help them and, re, you know, you know, just, you know I'm, I'm three years old in the ministry. I'm 30-something years old. And I went and I picked up a, a manila envelope off the old computer. You used to have the tabs on the side. Remember those things? And if I was to stand up in this chair, it would unfold. <laughs> and just told me how sorry I was and my family and all my kids who was under 10. So I got my feelings hurt because I was young because I opened up my heart and gave my heart away and then, then, then I, I, I got hurt. I got hurt bad because they might have thought whatever, but they didn't know my heart. And I was trying to help you. I mean, when I was there with you at 2 o'clock in the morning, when you was high, when I was in there with you and your kids was in prison, it wasn't there because I, I just generally go to Waffle House at not 2 o'clock. And then, uh, so I took it personal and I internalized it and I built a wall so people couldn't get near me. Because I was hurt. And I didn't want to get hurt like that again. So I thought my job is to give you three sermons a week at that time. Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And if you don't get too close to me, then you can never hurt me. It was a bad mistake. I built a fort, but I didn't realize that the doorknob was on their side and I couldn't get out. <laughs> I locked myself in with a fort that I built and everything was going wrong. I mean, money was going downhill. People were still all there. I, I, I didn't know what was wrong. And the Lord had to send someone to me, a seasoned minister, to tell me what this, you know, what it was about. So, <clears throat> Uh, we, we feel like that commercial, is it Allstate? Is it? We, we know a thing or two. <laughs> After 30 years, because who? Farmers. Farmers? Because we've seen a thing or two. <laughs> but, but we don't want to be callous towards people. And, we, and, and there was a time that happened to me because of those things. I'm more excited now about the things of God than I was when I get started and we just had all the youth to go with it. I mean, I'm, I am. Remember, Revelation said he'd rather have you hot than, you know, he'd rather have you cold than lukewarm. So let me ask you, you don't, don't have to tell me, but are you hot, cold, or lukewarm? Are you all the way hot? Are you simmering? Something to ask yourself, ain't it? Are you lukewarm? We know what he said about that. Spit you out of the mouth. So it's time for us to move in the direction that God has to move. In, and I have to close here. I apologize. So we have to pray for the people. For those who don't know, Paul said he planted, Apollos watered, and then God gave the increase. I believe it's beginning to rain. I believe even though you don't see it probably from where you are, but if you had a world perspective, in the relationships, you would find out God's beginning to do things for the last few years now all over the world. And you are in, historically, not going to be, you are already in the third great awakening. Mm -hmm. That's right. The one that Smith Wigglesworth prophesied would happen just before Jesus came back. Mm -hmm. You may not see it here. You may not see what you think it's going to look like, but it's already begun. And, and I can't prove it by Scripture. I can prove by Scripture that there'll be a great harvest during the tribulation. But I believe with everything in me today that would wake me up again at 3.30 in the morning, that there's going to be a great gathering of harvest before Jesus comes back.
because which one of your, your kids would you want to be left here? So, so, so we have a message and we have a responsibility and we need to pray. And so I really will close. This is the last door not on the sermon. It had three doors, but this is the last one. Remember Charles Spurgeon? He talks about uh, ineffective people and ineffective ministries will always be ineffective um, if, if they're not people of prayer and the ministries are not a ministry of prayer. In other words, if there's from one to ten, I'm, I'm sorry, I always have sports analogies. <laughs> I don't know anything about crocheting, but but like in the SEC on the east and west, there's what like seven teams on each side, six or seven. And you can look on the order what they finished. So the question is posed to me from one to seven: Where are you at? Well, I knew I wasn't number one, and I'm hoping I wasn't Vanderbilt. <laughs> Nothing against Vanderbilt for you watching. We love you. But y'all know you need help. Okay, I mean, let's move along. So are, are you okay with being in Arkansas or Mississippi State? I mean, do you want that to be your future? How many of you just know in your spirit, we might define it different ways, how many of you just know in your spirit there's got to be more? How many of you hope that this ain't all of it? I don't mean this service today. I mean, what you know, what you've seen, what you've experienced, you're thankful for, you're grateful but. How many just know in your knower there's got to be more than what I'm seeing? Are y'all, I mean, y'all here or not? There's just got to be more. Well, I found it in 2005 sitting on a rock for nine months at Lake Nickel in Tuscaloosa. There's a whole lot more. He said, but remember Isaiah said, the Lord wants to do new, new things. He said, but he, but he says, but will you recognize it? In other words, the seeds of the moment can come by and go and you never know it. Because you just assume the Lord's going to say, hey! And you're like, no, yes, sir. It could just be, hey. Because a relationship works that way, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't an intimate relationship work that way? Is it supposed to be yelling? I mean, I, and my post comes and says, good morning, Michelle, how you doing? <laughs> sure do, you look nice today. <laughs> Are those new earrings? Huh? <laughs> Love you. Bye. She, we, Bye. How many would be, she'd be willing to let me go, leave? <laughs> or if your relationship was, you know, I'm just learning how to, you know, talk sweeter to my wife, so I, so I don't really know how to do so. I'm training myself. So I write on postcards. Good morning, honey. How, are, how was your day? Gee, that's nice. Does that sound like relationship? So in, in relationship with the Lord, does he need to scream? When you're one with him and you're one with his presence, he just whispers. A lot of you would know this personally and you could give testimonies of how you heard something for the Lord. But, you, but, but, but you, you know, we'd say, well, is that really him or is that me? Anyone ever wondered that other than me? Two of y'all? I mean, three, four. <laughs> Who can provide? <laughs> and when you realize when it all worked out, it was him talking to you, but then you realize, like me, I could have missed that so easy. 
And you would just thought because it was a big deal, he would have come in with like, you know, like a band, you know, like, hey, hey, you know what? 70% sale over here. But it wasn't. It was just a small, still voice. So the small, still voice is still speaking to you today. So he says in Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has what? Risen upon you. So y'all stand if you will. Let's change your position. Charles Spurgeon said this. I'm going to read, watch here. I'm going to read from here to here to give y'all hope. It won't be that long. Y'all knew who Charles Spurgeon was. He talks about how ineffective the gospel is to a mind that is blind to it. Because, you know, the scripture said that, uh, it, it, the, the scripture said that uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them who is lost and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the glorious light of Christ, who is the image of God. So in other words, they hear the gospel, but they're blind to it because he's blinded their minds. Who's the, who's the God of this world? Well, Satan is. Well, John 8, 44 tells you that, John 8, 44 says, the children of the devil is under the authority of Satan. We know that. Uh, uh, Acts 26, 18 says it's called the strong man's house. Mark 3, 27 says they are prisoners of war. But when you listen to God's heart, he wants all of them. So Charles Spurgeon said, without taking time to pray, without using your authority on the earth, he said, sharing the gospel, even trying to share the gospel with a mind that's blind, he says, uh, before we've sought time to pray, like for your family, your children, your grandchildren, your, your friends. He said this this way. He said, sharing the gospel with those who have, for whom no one has prayed is like encouraging a blind man to view a beautiful sunset with you. It's a hopeless case for he's blind. He can't see, he can't see what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Until the power of the Holy Spirit removes the demonic blinders and opens his mind and heart to the gospel, he can't be saved because the things of God are what? It's foolishness to him, right? Mm -hmm. I looked at those words. The Greek word for foolish, you know what it is? It's Moriah, M-O-R-I-A, which comes, which derives, we get the word moron. So, so the, the guy with his eyes blinded, who can't see because he's blinded by Satan, when you minister the gospel to him or you talk the gospel to him, it's foolishness. It's Moriah, which means the same word as moron, then Webster said moron is the highest classification of mental deficiency above imbecile or idiot. Webster, not me. I, just, I, not, I don't have a dictionary. So, so the lost person sees the gospel as moronic and stupid because he is blind. But it is the strong man's influence that is at work with him that causes this negative attitude. And while the church doesn't even come together to even pray. Because we are busy. We have stuff we do. But the clock, every one, every second, 1.8, 1 1.8. Eternity, 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 eternity. 
So I believe the harvest is going to be, we're in preparation for that. And I believe before Jesus comes, which could be at any moment, but soon, is going to be the greatest harvest that the world's ever seen. But we have to prepare ourselves in our own hearts, in our own lives, so that we can see what he sees, hear what he hears, and know some of the things that he knows to be, in, to be effective in this harvest. And if the time is not now, when, when is it ever going to be? Will you be less busy next year than you are this year? So a lot of business is just things that we've added to our schedule. We said, we, we have to go do this. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me. If a church doesn't want to do this, don't want to do it. If you don't want to do Wednesday, hey, we'll just take it off. It's no big deal to me. It's a big deal, but I mean, if we don't want to do it, we just won't do it. If you don't want to pray, we just don't pray. But I will go somewhere that, that it is because I'm going to answer for that. I'm not getting on you. I'm just saying, I'm talking about church in general. I mean, pastors talk about, you know, how, how you do this. How do you do everything in one service? Because no one comes no more. How did, you, how did we lose ground after ground after ground after ground after ground? And then the church is supposed to have some special program that's supposed to make everything just wonderful and glorious and fix all your kids and your teenagers. Can't do it that way. So in the name of Jesus, I just bless you. Now, there's, there's two people right now that need healing in your body. I don't, I don't know who you are. But you, you came and either, I'm not saying you're not believing God, but I'm saying you got some situations in your body now or you need to be better than what you are. Um, there's at least two of you. Come on up. If there's 14, that's fine. Come up. You can be healed right now in Jesus' name. Whoever you are, come up here quickly. You'll be healed right now in Jesus' name. Not my word, his word. Uh, some of some, some, it's supposed to be some females too. I, I, I knew all that. So it, it, can I say it this way? If you're not 100%, or if you need your recovery to speed up, see, uh, this is where I can make people mad again. If I have to pull and beg on people to get help, how do you think, you, you, can you stand how hard it is to get them to come pray? This is what happens in America all the time, missionary, I tell you. You go to the mission field and you mention healing, if you, you better be careful because if you're in a crowd, you can get crowded and smothered out. But in America, when you got Blue Cross and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, it's like, well, you know, I guess I could go. Yeah, it's getting kind of late, you know, it's been about 30 minutes too late. And, you know, we, we need to be over there. You know, I, I got that appointment Tuesday, and, yeah, you know, I'm, I guess I'm somebody. They're sitting there weighing out all their options. But in those third world countries, they don't have no options. And so God moves in Jesus' name. Because of de desire and hunger. In, in Jesus' name. Top of your head, the soles of your feet. Let the power of God come. Yes, there it is. There it is. There it is. In the name of Jesus, top of your head, the soles of your feet. Let the power of God saturates you, fill you, correct everything, make everything new. In Jesus' name. Fire God. <laughs> there it is. Ooh, there it is. Ooh, there it is. Fire God. Right there. Jesus' mighty name. Top of your head, the soles of your feet. Life. Healing. Restoration. It doesn't look like it, but he's putting everything in order. It looks like and it feels like chaos right now. 
but actually it's all being put in order. Like the parts of a watch that are synchronized by thousands of parts have to come and, and, and come into sync one another. The Lord is putting everything in sync in the things that he told you years ago. He's never changed his mind. The gifts and callings of God without repentance. And it shall all come to pass. Except it'll be better than what you thought. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for a speedy recovery. In Jesus' name. Bones. Heal. The moistening. Uh, any form of inflammation, arthritis, be gone. And, and, and now this recovery, even after the procedure, is going to be amazing. I speak to that spirit of pain and I take authority over it and I command it to go in Jesus' name. Be healed for the, t you, your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we do not present to God a sick, emaciated, broken, not, not you. We don't present to God, he said, present yourself. We don't present ourselves broken down, beaten down, you know. You. Oh, woe is me, I'm, after, I'm over 40 now. Over 40. Over 40. Joshua and Caleb waited around in their 80s. Before they, Caleb said, finally, we're, we're going in. He says, at 80 years old, he says, I'm as strong as I was 40 years ago. He says, he says give me a mountain. You tell me the last time you heard an 80 year old said, I'm as strong as I was when I'm 40. God, give me a mountain. They'll say, honey, what my Jerry told? <laughs> See, we got, we got to change this right here. Because it's all right here when you're born again. You got the fullness of God down here. You're wall to wall Holy Ghost in here. You say, why don't it work? Because it's short circuiting. See, this mind, the reasoning, the carnal mind aborts everything, the plan of God, because you reason it in your mind. Your problem is not in your spirit, because you, if you're born again, you got God in here, the fullness of him, and you're sealed. The problem is, this needs to know what this already knows. And then walk it out. And so, hallelujah. Anybody else need to come real quickly? You need it? Well, good. Top of your head, the soles of your feet. <laughs> Life of God. There it is. Life of God. Correct. Change rearrange and make new that your youth is renewed just like the eagle and you shall run <laughs> and not be weary and not faint Jesus mighty name restoration the fullness of him and the life of God flow into you right now in Jesus name Someone's having an inner ear issue. I don't know if it's uh, got off in your balance or causes you to have dizziness, but you have some inner ear issues. Could, could be fluid, could be a lot of things. If that's you, uh, that's you. I need a hearing. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, well, th that's simple. See, sometimes we think, well, I've been prayed for by this one, I've been prayed for by that one, I've been prayed for by this one, I've done this, I've done this. And then when people get prayed for a whole lot, then they don't want to get prayed for because they don't want to disappoint me. But it has nothing to do with me, right? I'm pretty sure you don't look to me as God, do you? Say, no, I don't believe in God. No. <laughs> you would be correct. But in Jesus' name, he said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover from that condition. That's his word. And it's not mine. I don't have to back up his word. He backs it. I don't, I don't confirm his word. He confirmed his own. So 
in the, in the name of Jesus. I take authority over that dumb and deaf spirit. Yes, you know, you know, you, yep, there it is. You have to go, so go in Jesus' name. You say, did you have to scream? No, nah, I just felt like it. It's like I said, I mean, you know, because some people think, well, you know, you, you're, I've seen preachers push people down. Like, you ain't got to push them down, and you ain't really got to scream. Because when the policeman tells you you're under arrest, mm-hmm. if he screams you're under arrest, you know, what, you, know, you, know what, you, know, you know what's fixed to happen? You're under what? But if he just says, you're under arrest, you know what, the, you know what it is? Yeah. You're under arrest. Mm-hmm. And when you tell the devil he has to go. But sometimes it just has the boldness to let him know that we, we're, we're not putting up with that no more. I'm a child of God. Jesus paid for this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not. Thank you. No, and you don't have to. It's yours. Thank you, Amen. So well, you say, well, well, mama had this and granddaddy and great whatever. <laughs> I, I, look, hey, you understand that there is a natural part because genetics, right? D- don't look your situation up on Google. They'll bury you before two o'clock. <laughs> I mean, it's bad, right? <laughs> yeah. And then whenever I told you you ever had something, you said, well, now, 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 now you, 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 your, your grandma had that. Or granddaddy had that. You know, you, your daddy was a diabetic. You say, well, okay. Well, but did you know when you got born again, you got refathered? Amen. You, you got what? Refathered. Oh, you got born again. There's actually a translation that says that when you, when you was born again, he said that you got refathered. Now, mm-hmm. I wonder how much insulin the Lord takes. <laughs> Are you on pills or shots? <laughs> you say, well, that's just being, no, it's just being honest. Yeah. All right? Yeah. See, don't take orders from your body. I've had mine try to give me orders for a little while now. The doctor said, well, we, we can't fix that. Ain't nothing to be done. I said, well, appreciate you. Thank you. Bye. But don't bill me anymore. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm paying you now. <laughs> I mean, when I was in business, I had to actually do it and fix it, and then you paid me. And y'all's world, y'all just do stuff. And I still owe you. You know, I know it sounds mean, but. So I call you blessed. Say, I receive the blessing. I call you healed. Say, I receive the healing. I call you prosperous. I receive the prosperity. You, you receive it? Amen. So I'll walk in everything God has for me. I walk in everything God has for me. This year and every day the rest of my life. This year and every day of my life. Tell someone, tell yourself, say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I don't mean chicken. I know you just get some out of me. I know that too. I'm sorry. Praise the Lord. But you know, when the Lord gets on me, I just get on y'all. So, no, I'm just saying, you, you have to develop an appetite for spiritual hunger. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. You can get to place to work. It requires more than just Sunday. Amen. Amen. I mean, it could even get. Am I still on? Okay. It could even get you to read your Bible yourself. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's like, that'd be a sign and a wonder. No, but, 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 but you can. I mean, I always kidded with my, my, my kids. They said, they said, oh, I, I can't eat no more. And I said, well, we have dessert. They said, well, I want some. I said, well, I thought you couldn't eat no more. <laughs> but, you know, I learned years ago when it comes to desserts and sweets, it's, it's, there's a separate compartment for that. 
Hallelujah. How many of y'all know that's the truth? Hallelujah. I mean, you could be full of meatloaf over here. <laughs> but they bring by, you know, some ice cream, hot fudge cake, some warm brownies. Ooh, I felt that. And then also there's a whole different compartment that just opens up. Say, I have two, I have two pieces. <laughs> they brought me thing to one time to a three-star restaurant and it had desserts on it. And they said, uh, this is what we have. Would you? They had like four choices. And she says, do you see something here you like? Would you like something? I said, yes. And she said, which one? I said, yes. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I said, yes. <laughs> just, just leave the tray and go away. <laughs> I know what to do with it. Well, God bless you. Have a big day in Jesus. Amen.